0: Cliffcentral.com. Well, it is always a great pleasure to have, uh, someone of this caliber. And there are very few people in the entertainment business of this caliber. His name, of course, if you've recognized him by now is Peter Dirk He is a living legend. <laughs> and that's not saying too much because you have been a part of my life since I can recall laughing at the TV. And I think you also helped me as a, as a kid to understand that comedy is really quite clever. I always thought, you know, fart jokes and things like that were enough. But you came on in a time where there wasn't a lot that was funny in Apartheid. And as a young kid, I remember watching you and your various characters. And I thought, wow, this is really, really smart. This is clever. This stuff requires someone with brains and an ability to, to summarize and caricature a person in a way that, Honestly, I don't think anyone else in this country's ever got right.
1: Oh my goodness, <laughs> says he, completely dry mouthed. Thank you. I hope, yes, I am glad to hear that. Not that I ever thought to do that. You know, it's instinct has got a huge amount to do with where we stumble through the minefield thinking that you can buy an ice cream there. <laughs> um, and really, when I look back now, and I do look back because during, COVID was a very weird and terrible, wasn't it? Extraordinary thing. And and everybody I speak, speak to now, not that they said in so many words, but they all say my life has been changed by COVID. Yeah. Not just because of a virus that you were terrified of, but the fact that you were alone with yourself for two years.
0: And for some people, that's the most very scary hard. place you can be.
1: Very hard. I was even looking at the mirror and thinking, where did you come from? Because, <laughs> But then what I did was, I first of all, I, what did you do in a weekend in the in in march 2020 you canceled 204 performances in that year over over an hour and i said and then my my theater closed down yeah my little venue was over in darling. but it was like now boom boof in three days Boof, i had to get a permit from the police in darling to go and feed my cats no, you've got to be there. So i give them a, a chocolate. Or something. Anyway, um, what do I do? What do I do? Grow a beard. For God's sake, you can't have a beard with Evita. You can have a beard with Margaret Thatcher, but not Evita. <laughs> and then I so went, being a stage manager, I was trained as a stage manager. I thought, let me just sort out things I haven't had the time to do for 40 years. Props, costumes, wigs clean their eyelashes. Oh, so wow. So I sat up in my little solid and sorted all that out. <laughs> and then I thought, well, reading, yes, I'm, that was the greatest thing of the two-year period. You could just read two, a book every two days. You've got to just sit there and read with a cat on your lap. But, you know, I, I've got all my all my plays are on my website, so I've got that there, but I never did my reviews because a review from 1981 now doesn't make sense. no. So I thought, well, in my good time, but, oh, but I've got to type them out because 1930, there was no internet. So as I'm typing adapt or die, total onslaught beyond the Rubicon, I'm thinking, how the hell did I get away with this? Yeah, Was I mad?
0: You know, um, actually, you are very lucky you didn't get into more trouble because we talk now about the apartheid government and we laugh at them, but I mean, I remember my whole concept of Beauregard was based on what your your caricature of him. Mm. I knew nothing about the man. I was a kid, but I'd see him come on and wave his finger and, you know, and I remember you doing that and I thought, yeah, he's just summarized this old man who interrupts the cartoons every now and then to make a speech because he used to. Mm. And these were dangerous people, hey? Magnus Malan people flock yeah these were not people to be trifled with and you really skirted very close to that edge sometimes I'm sure there were nights where someone could have made a decision and you might not have been a free man when when I think
1: back now I think oh my goodness oh my goodness I remember the times that things went a little bit awry awry I've said awry (laughs) two (laughs) years ago I I didn't know there was awry (laughs) um and and the security police were outside my house in Melville this car, it was a Toyota. I thought, what an ugly little color this was. Yeah, yeah the and yellow one. right? No, it was a sort of a, sort of a fail r- blow. <laughs> and after about two <laughs> weeks of this, I thought, wait a minute, these are spying on me, these old worms. So I took a tray with Cook Sisters and coffee and I walked out, not as Evita, I should have, but I didn't. I oh, walked out and I sort of hear, they put the thing up, gone, never saw the again. Oh, really? What saved my life? I think stupid uh, silliness. I was silly. I did silly things. Uh, <laughs> I irritated them by wearing a dress or de wrong. No, I don't like that. Hey. And if, if Evita was the first person to write to them, which she did, uh, and say you must lock up Peter Ducais. He's a communist and a terrorist, he's wearing women clothing and all that. So anarchy was my key. That was my password and my PIN number. Sexual anarchy, social anarchy, political anarchy, religious anarchy. They didn't know where to fit it in. That was the thing. Now, when I was sitting two years ago with this, and I suddenly thought, first of all, how do I go with it then? Why is the fear still here? Why am I in a democracy of 29 years? And I am actually more frightened than I was under apartheid. Do you think it's because you were young? No, it's because there was a real light at the end of the tunnel. Uh-huh. Now the light belongs to ESCOM. <laughs> and we One know what What is Very, to that. very concerned about the alternative. What is the alternative to a rotten one-man state, one-party state? We went from a one-party state of, of Afrikaners to a one-party state of, I don't even know what to say here, of clever people.
0: Well, clever for, a people, while, listen, for a while, clever. No,
1: no, clever, because they know where the money is. They're so clever. You know, again, what happened with, the, with lockdown? For two years, we were locked up. We were paralyzed by fear. Clever people knew, and clever people said, hang on, we can take Ukraine, and they did. Yeah, we, And we did nothing. And yeah. one thing, we are being blacked out all the time. Yeah. And what do we do? Nothing. I look at France. I look at Paris yesterday. The French are out in the street because they don't want two more days, two more two years, more years of, 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 of working. Yeah. Ha, ha, shame. Where are we with all this thing happening? Pit toilets. Where no, are we? No, no one's protesting. We sit here like poop I mean, come on. Anyway, to cut a long story short, because I want to talk to you about recipes, um, I suddenly… <laughs> So I need a backstory to my one-man shows, just to explain who the characters were were, were in those days. And then I thought, no, wait, 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 I need another backstory to just put apartheid in perspective, the laws of apartheid, the pencil sketch, the yep. pencil through Test. the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's was right. It was obscene and absurd. You know what? I ended up with 488 pages. So I thought, I've got a book, so I sent it to my publisher. This is in the middle of the lockdown when everybody was not dying but nearly. And they said, oh, it's wonderful. Yes, 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 We cried, we laughed, we are shocked, but there will be no buyers. And they're right. Who would spend 500 Rand to buy a book about something that happened 40 years ago? So I thought, I'll oh, bugger it. I'll put it into my website. Where it is, it's called One Man Shows, The Black yeah. and White Years. And it's been in the website free to anybody. I've had feedback from all over the world. I cannot tell you how extraordinary, including – the schools that I sent it to, that whom I've been to with my AIDS program in the Mbeki years. Yeah. Um, and the kids are doing the sketches. The girls are doing the Winnie Mandela sketch. And then they say, why was Winnie Mandela in a show in 1985? And history walks in through the school door. Which is that. Not, isn't that wonderful? I love that. And now my second volume will be out on Madiba Day. That's going to be the Mandela years. Next year, it's going to be the Mbeki years. Then comes the Zuma years. Then comes the... The man with the sofa, the money, years, and then who knows? Will just explain knows? why you think there was confusion about the sofa and the money. Well, now that was, you know, when that happened. I'm always looking for a hook to hang something on, <laughs> and I like Cyril. I like him very much. I enjoy the memory of Evita's uh, conversation with him for Funny Galore. Yes, remember the Funny yes. Galore, and that's and all, Rolf Mayer. and Rolf. Mayer. No? That's it's all on the YouTube, by the way. All of those well, are available also we've got to
0: say at this point that. Actually, you can also still buy the DVDs of all your shows as well.
1: If you and find there's the stuff DVDs. on the internet
0: too, right? Yes, yes. I mean, so isn't it interesting to see, and we'll come back to the, uh, the, the sofa in a moment. Yes. I almost gave away the punchline. Yes. <laughs> but isn't it interesting for you to watch how the platforms have changed and the media world has changed and the digital transformation and all that stuff that's happened has changed, but the content remains as fantastic as ever. And people just, they want it. And they'll find new ways of getting what it. What
1: is so extraordinary about the kids, the kids, the 12-year-old, 8-year-old, 9-year-old kids, they take my material into TikTok. That's I have Evita on TikTok. I know. And she's young and she's sexy. <laughs> yes. And she's, I kept thinking, who is this person impersonating my character? And it was you. And it's me. It's amazing. And all her 250 Evita um, free speeches that we did over four years. Every Sunday, we did a free speech of the news. And it went into the Daily Merrick. Right. And that's on the YouTube as well. And suddenly there it is. No, it's extraordinary. You know, the information we, what did we have during the apartheid years? The same, everything was banned. Everything was censored. I mean, despite that, you got onto the but, SABC. No, I mean, I didn't. Evita did. Evita did. <laughs> I, cause you could put, they never lot, got me on. You could put a lot
0: into Evita that you'd never have gotten away with. As, I as had yourself.
1: live. Live, not recorded, not not pre-recorded live, but live, evita live. I was pre-recorded three weeks before it came out air uh, because yeah. you know? no you were dangerous oh please you were, they so. thought you uh, were oh,
0: and I think you were because if you hadn't done what you, what you did then as a performer and as a character in Evita. It wouldn't have made them look so stupid because when people don't know, look at North Korea, Mm. they don't allow parody and Mm. satire. They Mm. don't allow characters like Evita on because it's deadly serious. The moment you, you open up, you said history walks through the door through Mm. some of these things that you did in the 1980s. But if you let a little bit of mockery and laughter and less seriousness and parody and satire, things that people think are complicated, but actually are not. When you see it and it yeah. opens that curtain just a little bit, the light comes in and it yes. just ruins their party. The people who have no sense of humor and the only people who I think are truly dangerous in the world, the ones who don't have a sense of humor, you broke those people because suddenly to people like me as a kid, Piavier wasn't a serious person.
1: He was a joke. Well, that was important to make them feel attacked. Um, you know, I mean, Nelson Mandela. How do you make fun of Nelson Mandela? It's like doing Mother Teresa with a dildo. No. You can't do it. You know you what I mean? can't do it. But Nelson Mandela had this great sense of humor. He laughed yeah. first.
0: He loved Evita, eh?
1: He was, oh, Prita, where is Evita? Mm-hmm. And I remember once, as Evita on stage, one, at one of these great, great, wonderful, remember in, in the 90s, he had all the superstars of the world. Yeah, we, and we, we, had, we, like, could, we could he he could clap pr- his fingers and we, bring anyone here. Yes, but we were proud of us. Yes, that's been that's, a long way away. And he always got, oh, get it, Vita, Vita, and Zelda would phone and yeah, another dress, don't the same dress because everybody remembers what she wears, And I'd have my <laughs> 15 minutes of fame behind Evita's eyelashes. And it was also marvelous. And, of course, there were all this Bono and Boyonce and no, the Queen no. of Holland. I remember once, through the eyelashes, seeing, oh, Bill Clinton looking at Evita <sighs> with a funny look at the, yo, you oh, look yuck, yuck. Yeah. you know? The, yeah, well, he was the horniest man Evita, in the world. Nelson Mandela <laughs> would come onto the stage and he hold Evita's hand and I remember once I said to him, in a so whisper. Everybody was dancing. And I said, President Mandela, every time you see me on stage, I'm dressed as a Vita Poseidon. And he said, don't worry, Petra. I know you're inside. Oh, wow. You, know. I treasure the man. I treasure Bettisma Tutu. They didn't have a sell-by date. No, still and they were,
0: our, they were the only real celebrities we ever and had.
1: And They are still to this day. Their voices must be heard and repeated. It's so important. That's why the, the that's why the social media can do it. Can well, repeat the best.
0: I do want you to just tell us about Cyril and Sofa before we move on, but then I want to bring up something else that I think you have a unique point of view on that I've been desperate to ask you about, and I waited for this, but the Sofa. Well, we'll first of all, Sol,
1: I, I like Cyril very much, and I was pleased when he became president, and I'm still waiting for him to be president, but I'm sure he one will day, be one president. Day. So Cyril, <laughs> we're going to catch fish together. Um, okay. Suddenly this thing, drama, 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 pala, bala. what is this? What is, what has he done? What's happening? What's happening? Millions of dollars in a sofa. I think, to hang on. <laughs> I didn't write the script for what's here. And I just thought, this is too good to be true. I'd, all I need to do is have a big pink sofa on the stage, and I have got my set, Southampton. It was in the risk bank. <laughs> and so I said, okay, now, w- w- how do I work this into a show? but you know, this is a terrible problem. There are too many languages here. We've we got 11 official languages. People don't understand each other. Yes, they found this money, all this money lying around. What are we going to do? And then comes a bit of Venda and a little bit of, Kasa, a bit of Zulu. And then somebody says, Okay, sit die geld in the bank. Meaning? Meaning, put the money in the Russian bank. Excuse me, because they've all got secret bank accounts in St. Petersburg, but now they put it in the sofa. It's oh, too I good love that. To be true. I, I love it. It's right itself,
0: but you, we need your genius to make it happen because I've never heard anything <laughs> that, that true and that sad at the same time. So Barry Humphreys died. Oh, yes. Now Barry Humphreys died just this weekend. Mm. And what I loved about Barry Humphreys, besides Dame Edna and all those terrific shows that he used to do, was here was a guy who totally inhabited his character, much like you did, Evita. And I'm sure that your careers worked in parallel. In those Mm. days, you couldn't hop on the internet and see what the other guy was doing. Mm. But to me, you are you are similar in my mind. You're both tremendously clever, great writers, great satirists, just Unbelievably confident on stage, apart from the fact that you'd put on this other persona, who was powerful beyond belief in your case and his, and you could address anyone as your equal mm. in that persona, mm. which you did and which he did. I think about the, the 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 way that that broke so many blockages and obstructions between, you know, old kind of conservative stereotypes of men dressing up as women. Yeah. Um, second of all, the fact that these two were these larger than life characters who just had an ability to poke fun at everything and everyone. I mean, Barry Humphreys would go and sit in the royal box and then be told
1: oh, got a, got by a, someone
0: better seat. I got a better seat and get up and go with <laughs> oh, these whatever. enormous glasses and oh. over-the-top dresses. And and you did the same thing with Evita, also on the international stage, where you were able to just for a moment let people imagine a world
1: where someone this fun could exist. Well you know, Jeff, you talk about the world. Um Evita on a stage in Berlin, she got the Berlin the the the, the uh the Teddy Award. Yes. And there was this huge audience in Berlin and there was Evita said, Frau Evita Besöder, sie is here aus South Africa, and that's wunderbar. And, <laughs> and Evita said, Ja, bye Donkey, thank you very much. Says, I, I am an Afrikaner. Ich bin ein Afrikaner. Oh. And then later in the speech she said, You know, <laughs> JFK you would Germans, love that. you Germans have done so much for us in South Africa, especially as Afrikaners. you set us such a high example. It would take us a long time before we have killed six million blacks. Ooh. Ooh. You could have Holy. torn that audience into for a second of and I thought oh oh and too far. then they exploded with applause. There was a sound you could And the believe. Germans
0: notoriously have this unfair characterization of not having a sense of humor but for them to laugh at that you must have first felt, felt incredible relief what it was
1: it <laughs> was what i call a <laughs> moose but what, that's what he did. you see again oh. getting back to barry getting back to edna barry humphreys was probably my most challenging inspiration going back to 19 in the 70s I, when I was in London at the London Film School, I was there for two years as a student, and then I graduated, and I thought, Christmas, cook, I'm not going back to South Africa, because I'd mm-hmm. seen the BBC documentaries of what my generation of Afrikaans boys had to do under orders of bang, 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 and the children died. Yeah, this is a brilliant
0: know. movie they did recently, um, Morphe. Yes, absolutely. Which was really just oh, an interesting
1: way of… Kind of looking at how young, young South African
0: men would have had to have been forced very, in very there. important. Uh, and especially guys who, you know, were gay or grew up
1: with mm. slightly different oh, identities no, a, or whatever it might have been. On top of everything, it was all yeah. that as well. I mean, yeah. on top of everything, oh, it was yeah. still that as well. Um, and so it, and then, and then I created a job for myself at the film school to create the library because they didn't have one. And for the next year, my job was to go and find, I said to the principal, you need you need real actors to talk to the students who are directing their girlfriends in films. That doesn't work. Oh, he said, do some. And so I get Glenda Jackson on the phone. She just wanted to ask her. On the phone. Phone book. Wow. And she she came and all that. And, and so, and all those things. Okay, so all the experience of being in London with that extraordinary freedom, except the, the the reality that although homosexuality was not a crime, it was still very dangerous. But I thought, this is like walking the beachfront in Seapoint, so I know how to hide. Um, Barry Humphreys. First, Danny LaRue. This extraordinary drag Danny LaRue, wonderful costumes and funny and packed out houses. And just every now and then he'll just use his men's voice of hello, mate. uh, But I saw the early Barry Humphreys when he did sketches of of an old man, an old man who's lost his mind. and, And I mean, really some incredibly important things. Then, of course, Edna, who was quite ugly, ignorant, sort of, she's a real housewife. Yeah. And then she became Dame Edna. and Glamorous. Yeah. Glamorous and glamorous. And I thought, oh, oh, this is before Evita, but even in my mind, I just thought, oh, I love that. I want to do that. I want to do that. At the film school, I did also did a, a girl in a commercial because the, the actress uh, didn't turn up. <laughs> so I said, oh, give me the dress. I'll do it myself. Um, Dame Edna is a superstar, housewife superstar, but very apolitical. Yes. Evita is totally political. But the biggest difference between the two is that Evita Poseidna does not have a sense of humor. Evita Poseidna does not understand irony. Edna has a magnificent (laughs) sense of humor (laughs) soaked with irony. So in in
0: some ways you made Evita
1: harder. Well, no, no, not harder. Because you have a sense
0: of humor. To play someone who has no sense of humor. No,
1: no, no. I must tell you something. It's a huge relief. It's a, First of all, the re- relief is that she is not a copy of Dame Edna.
0: No, no, not at all. Um,
1: she is not. She does not have the big glasses and no. and the purple hair and all but, that. But, and she's the first person who would say only sis. But but even you
0: know? though you you were dressing up, it was believable.
1: Yes, I but, mean
0: you, you you took the trouble to make sure that everything about her was as authentic as possible.
1: Well, if she wasn't believable, Pukbuto wouldn't have fallen in love with her. And you know, we we spread the rumor. Uh, in, in 1981, 82, that Puckburger was having an affair with the and he started believing it. And I have got faxes, which he sent her at two o'clock in the morning. obviously <laughs> <laughs> And also giving tips of how to make jokes and things about extraordinary. Mm. So I had, and I also had Dr. Pit Kurnov, who just uh, loved yeah. what I did, which was bad for business. You sure. don't want, you don't want the other side to be mm-hmm. a fan he said, no, oh, mm. thank you. No, know, Peter, you know, very much. But I like satire. Satire is very important. Look at me. He said, You told me. me, I'm
0: sorry to keep going on these tangents, but you told me something fascinating when I saw you the last time about Pete Kordnoff. And what it was his girlfriend, Marcel? Yes, Marcel. And you told me about the lady his, of color. And you told me about his ex-wife.
1: A, 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 this is a very extraordinary story. I heard, again, not, I, I, I wasn't there at the time. Mm. I mean, it's, uh, it, uh, it, Pitt, it, it Pitt, makes Pitt, all the all the players come out well. It, it, well, it's, it's it's a very important story. Um, Pete, of course, we had left his Afrikaans wife, and he moved in with lady of color, and that was like oh, he's, proved Adams, that part- Marcel, he, he's, he's proved to the world that a he's proved to the world that will never work, and that was lots right. of fun. And he took the jokes. He even brought his little two little twins to the peron, uh, and with wow. Marcel and Ivita said from the stage, "Pete, are you really the father of two little boys?" And Pete Corum said, near. <laughs> Wow. Then then Marcel left him with the children. She took the children. She went to Germany with a man. She fell in love with somebody else. Pete on his own. Then somebody said to me, you know, Pete Kodanov was at the spa and he ordered things and he went and he said he doesn't have to pay because he's a cabinet minister. He's losing it. Shame. I said, no, wait, 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 what do you mean he's losing it? And then I, I went to, uh, on my way to town one day, I went into the spa there in Milnerton, and I knew the spa man because he used to be in Darling. I said, what's happening? We're having a terrible time because, yes, he's definitely, he comes beautifully dressed. He's obviously on his way to Parliament. It's very wrong. I said, well, the first thing you do is open an account for him. I pay for it. Whatever he buys, you put on the account. If it's chocolates, it's why. It's that. Please do that. Please do that. And this went on for a few weeks, and I kept on checking, and I just thought, do I go and interfere? And I thought, no, don't, don't frighten him and me. And then somebody said, do you know what happened last week? His wife and his son came in the car, and he, Pete, um, Pete was walking back from walking back from somewhere, in the street, beautifully dressed, and they stopped the car and they said, hello, Papa, and he said, hello, and they said, get into the car, and he got into the car, and they took him home and they looked after him. Till he died, his wife looked after him till he died. The wife he abandoned yes, or, yeah. that is so profound, and i'm happy to spread that story. you know, I think there were some lots of details in the story of pain and of of confusion and all the things, but somehow you know that's really a smart mm, a smart story well I'm glad you got yeah. to
0: tell it here because when you told me it gave me goosebumps yeah. you know it it's also a rare thing for someone who used to have fun with these people, used to make fun of them, mm. but in a, in a, you know, gentle, generous sort of way. I don't think you've ever been mean. I don't want to be mean. But, uh, it, the temptation is huge, but I don't want to be mean. Not sure. But the fact that you could then be in a position where you could tell a story like this, that's actually quite
1: heartfelt. And well, it's a curious, human story. You know? It's, you know, one felt, seldom thinks of them in politics as human. I mean, one thing mm. Pete Gordon said to me at a lunch Because he was a bastard in his time. Listen, politicians have no excuse. They've got no excuse what happens. They could say no, but they don't. Right. But he said to me, we had lunch together because he wanted me. I wanted to take my father. My father said, my father just hated them so much because they gave him a hard time because he married a Jew. To the point that he and she never told me that my mother was a Jew. Well, that's something we've got to unpack You'll in get, a second. Okay. Yeah. Um, he said to me at the lunch, he said, oh, you know, Peter, you make fun of me. You're, in Afrikaans, maybe, but I'm saying, you make fun of me. And I don't mind because he's, I've got funny ears. And my, my mother always said, you know, Ooh, you're a clown. He said, but I, you must always remember that I've always been the choice of two evils. I thought, what? What is this? He said, Yes, right on the right, right, right on the table it doesn't matter mm-hmm. let's make a list of all the people in the cabinet who would be better than me at my job, and we could not find one. Hmm. he said, so I am doing the job because I'm the best of two evils, very strange very what strange. a way to characterize yourself I'm quite yeah? chilling yeah. And quite chilling. I mean, did, did, did he lose sleep because of what he was doing? Was he, I don't know. I don't want to make any apology or anything, but again, did, you see all these things and they come from all sides, especially now, especially now when you've got this extraordinary chorus line of creatures that you can't even think about in a horror movie. And there's a lot of stuff that you actually can't make fun of because there's well, no fun to be had here. Well, they're so, they're so villainous. Right, and I mean, you need a little bit of human in the package. Well, you know, there's a difference to me for me, very big difference between comedy and humor. Comedy is a joke, and jokes are great. Great, great. can't huh? tell them because I forget them and I come at the punchline. But but humor is like a fingerprint. Everybody's got a sense of humor, which is different. Everybody, mainly, sadly, a sense of humor in a child is killed by parents and teachers. What do you do? We don't get you know. Well, those horrible words, that's not funny. That's not funny. Who do you think? Okay. The thing with a sense of humor is you walk into a room, as an example, walk into a room and your best friend is behind the door. You walk into the room and they come and say, boo. You go, (laughs) ha, and then you go, ha, ha, it's you. It's not because it's funny. It's because somebody's there that you know. Um. And I think I want to use humor to make people laugh at their fear. Like I laugh at my fear. When you laugh at your fear, you make that fear less fearful. It's still lethal; it can still kill you. But you're looking at it. If you look away, it becomes twenty foot high, not twenty inches high. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I try and keep in my framework. My definition, what I work by, is forty one percent, forty nine percent anger, fifty one percent entertainment. Not the other way around.
0: Okay, but that's channeling your anger in a way more constructive form than most of us. But anger,
1: raw anger, is. If people walk away. Who needs it? You mm. get it all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you get to shot all the time. So you don't yeah. want that. Yeah.
0: Rise where people complain the whole time. All the complaints.
1: Nah, man. <laughs> so
0: you mentioned now your, your father and and your mother, and actually in your latest show, the echo of a noise, you, mm. you talk about them in some detail. I mean, I also think it's really interesting that you've, you've brought them to the fore. Hannes, that's your dad and, pie, and, yeah. and Helga, mm. your mother. And, you know it 's always been you and your characters, and this time we 're kind of getting a bit of the backstory as well. Mm. but the story of your mother and your Jewishness is also the subject of some of the more serious work that you 've done mm. and and your character there who we 've got to know uh, very well the, the 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 sort of mock Jewish kind of you know you you 're sort of integrating your Jewishness into your life, and i don 't want to try and I don't want to disassemble and 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 try to figure out how the, the process works in your head. But you've made this a part of the 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 arsenal of characters too. Mm. And and this has been a hard process for you because you've had to rediscover things that you never knew that were kept from you that I think must be quite painful to
1: discover, especially later in life. Well, you you know, people talk about denial. Yeah. You know, denial. And you, you think of denial. Uh, uh, Tauben Beck is denial about HIV and AIDS and all that. But I grew up in a house, happy house. Well, yes, of course, not so happy, but a happy house. Um, as a little boy, and I was very on my own because I had an imagination. I had a friend called George. <laughs> mm. George and I played Dinky Toys together. We had all sorts of things. And my, and my sister Tessie was, was, came and kicked George and, and my Dinky Toys into the, into the grass. Um, and my mom, a concert pianist, my father, a musician. And so lots of, uh, Mozart was my best friend. And I had wonderful friends who were Jewish. My uh, the little boys that were, their mothers were also musicians and it would come with their violence and there would be chamber music. And I always loved going to visit my Jewish friends because the food was divine mm. and their mothers were divine. Hannah, Peter. Hazard, <laughs> you know, I always fell in love with my Kugel mother, the Kugel mothers. And right. that's why Noel Fine is one of my treasured characters because I love her and I do it with enormous amount of love and affection. But it ne- nobody, nobody said anything to me about my mother being Jewish. My mother used to come with us to church in Chikark and get the giggles. We got the giggles always in church with my mother. It was terrible <laughs> because the, with the hat, she always had to wear a hat in church. And we, um, why? Why did nobody talk to me about that? I have no answer. I have, I can imagine answers, but I haven't got the answer. Okay. The first thing is my mother came from Berlin, 1936. Her fiancé, who was not Jewish, said to her, I can't protect you anymore. Go to Cape Town to your parents. He had already sent her parents to Cape Town three years before. And I'll tell you when to come back because this noise will, if, this Hitler thing will be over. Sure. Okay. So she arrives in Cape Town with a piano. The first uh, professional p- p- job she got was to play a two-piano Mozart concerto with a South African pianist called Hannes Ais. So my pa and my ma meet. Wow. And Marry in the, during the war, and then I am born just after the war. I'm born in September, uh, 20, uh, 1945. I'm circumcised. Okay. My pa always said it's a healthy thing to do. Not okay. that we talked about penises, but I mean, <laughs> I was very jealous of it when I saw it once in a shower. I thought, well, I wasn't one, like that. Um, but nobody talked about it. And, I have heard somebody said to me, someone who knew my parents, who has now died, this, this wonderful friend of the family, said, you, you, you don't, do you know why you don't know? I said, no, no, why? Wasn't I listening? She said, no, actually, your father was told not to talk about it. Your father was told by his cousin, Dr. D. F. Milan, the prime minister of South Africa, Hannes, because Afrikaans don't like anybody yeah, okay that's just absolutely I mean' unbelievable. shocking beyond words, so she had to deny because she was an extraordinary when I think back and with such love and I wish I wished I had the courage to have spoken to her and asked her things I never did um, and she the first thing she did she learned Afrikaans, being a musician, she knew the language, the tune, the song sure. the music, and she spoke a wonderful Afrikaans with wonderful German words tucked in every now and then, but she did it very much on purpose. Tani Alga. Tani Helga is Afrikaanser Tani Helga So there's a huge amount of baggage, which I haven't yet, I haven't knitted this into what I.
0: I mean, Peter, when you, when you so think about it, this, this woman,
1: she, and then, and she might mistake. not have
0: made it here. You might not have ever been born. We know what happened to so many yeah. Jews who were in Germany. Yes. And, and by the skin of her teeth, she was here and then she met your father. And then to live this life where almost it was a character for her her whole life long.
1: And to survive because of the power of, of the name. But then she drove up to Chapman's Peak and jumped off the mountain. Now, there is another, excuse me, what did you say there? She committed suicide. I mean, you never recover from that. And you never understand it. How old were you? I was, well, listen, it was 1969. I was um, 19. No, I was a bit older, actually. And my sister, she was just turning 20. That it was terrible for her, Tessie and my mom was so close with the music and everything, but you know again i don 't um i don 't have any blame i don 't have any negative feel. Listen, she loved us she was given she was given pearls for her depression, which is also something I have to work through. why, for so many years, did she have depression, and we never knew um, she hid it from us as well. Um, and the doctor, the doctor's assistant, he wasn't there, was playing golf. And the assistant didn't tell her that the pills would take her down before the pills took her up. And she took two pills before she went to the recital to play a recital at the SABC studios to record Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, Schubert. And she went to the piano to do something at the keyboard and her, key, her fingers wouldn't work. Well, no, the pills were working. Her biggest nightmare was going mad because her mother... Was a bit milly. She was wonderful. She was so eccentric. She was, you know, she was just, and she, she had, she went blind. And so being a blind lady, she made fun of it. And that was even more difficult for people to understand. That's why I loved her tremendously. Anyway. And my mother, she committed suicide. That she, would, she drove and she left a note for us. And that was the end of oh. that life, end of our life. And so I've had to work through that. And my sister has to work through it. And my father had to work through it. How can he understand that? Nobody could understand it. Um, so she has left me with the knowledge of the fact that she divided her energy into three people. My father became a nicer person. My sister became an extraordinary pianist. And I started writing because she always said to me, don't you get to write? And I go, no, Ma, I'm going to be a, an actor. Yes, 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 yes. But you will be a writer. So celebration time.
0: Yeah. Um, there's so many questions with, with something like this there's, that, that you must – Go over and over stuff in your head. Think about things that you think she said that you might have heard, um, what you might have been able to say to her if she was around now. These are things that I think a lot of people deal with. And the depression, you say, you're dealing with it as well.
1: I am not, no, I have no, no, I don't have any problem with that at all. Not at all. Um, I've needed to really study it to understand it and not sort of say, oh, darling. So how do
0: you understand it? Is it chemical? Is it genetic?
1: It could, it, I think it's all of those things. I mean, it's really, I haven't, no, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to actually have an opinion here, except to say, be generous with your attention. Be careful of not being, of not frightening somebody with it uh, or just saying, oh, never mind. Have, you know, like people say, oh, darling, you know, have a discipline, you know, get, just, over, get, it, it. get over it, you know, get over it but you know the most important thing that i am with with me all the time is and um, and i say this very much at the end of my one man thingy at the at the, at the theater at the moment is my father has just died uh he's just died he i held his hand hand and looked at him knowing knowing that this is the one time in my life i'm not going to look away i was always looking away from everything oh no no i don't oh, i don't want to look i'm not going to look so and he squeezed my hand suddenly this man who was dying squeezed my hand Yes, if he was going to break my fingers and then suddenly hop, Gone. Sonny was gone. Like, he's gone. And and I was there with Sonny, our maid, quote, unquote. She was my Cape Platt's mother. Mm. She closed his eyes. Sure. And I went back to the house. It was just before Christmas. And I'm standing in the music room with the Christmas tree and the music and all the things, the memory things and everything we had as a family. And the first thing I thought was, why did I not ask Pa more about his life? Why didn't I ask him more about Ma's life? Why was it always about my life? How is it possible that I know more about Sophie Lorenz's family than my own family? I cannot tell you how many people in the last, what? how long have I been doing this? I've been doing this piece for nearly 10, eight years, the echo of a noise, waited for me afterwards and said, I'm going to phone my grandmother now because I have also not asked my parents because we were brought up not to ask questions. For God's sake, no, for your sake, ask questions, find out. And many people have said, I phoned my granny and I said, when did you have your first climax? And she told me. <laughs> you know, it's this thing we brought up, especially Afrikaners, you know, your partner, oh, you're pratni, yeah. you're and you never thought of that. I wanted to ask my mother, what was it like? In 19, 1936, the Gestapo were marching down the street. My mother... They were on the third floor of this beautiful apartment building, which is still there, I must tell you. Mm -hmm. It had a sort of a round tower thing, and she had a piano in that, and she used to play the piano. And then the, the Nazis came and put a red swastika thing right down and the swastika was there and she said it cut the sun away from my music and so she took uh, a scissor and she cut a uh, square out of the flag and she played her music <laughs> and there was a, b- a bakery at the bottom uh, a butcher a butcher was at the bottom it was his shop at the bottom and and they were friends and he also loved music and uh, and he would with a with a with a knife on on the on the pipe Knock because this, the police were coming, the Gestapo were coming, and the Gestapo were there. And then she would put away the picture of her father with his iron cross because he got an iron cross in the First World War. And she quickly put with pins the, the swastika back. And cut out. she was there, and they came in and they sniffed around and they went in and, in and then they left without her, thank God. Um, mm. So. You know, I want to ask her what was it feeling sitting around the table where Franz Michels, her fiance, and 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 you you were all and and the, the the grandpa her 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 parents were sitting around. The, who decided on Cape Town? Yeah. Why not Canada? Why not everywhere else? Why Cape Town? Mm. You know. Now I say, well, what can be further away from Nazi Germany than South Africa? Oh my God, that's a combination. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I mean, it well. is. Um,
0: Thank goodness they made the decisions they, they made. Oh. We're much richer for you having been born here and holding up a mirror to all of us.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. So
0: you mentioned Sophia Loren, and it, it is like she was the the other woman.
1: She is the other woman. She uh, she says that about <laughs> she, was, right? she says... You know, the woman you do, she's starting to look like me. But, <laughs> but, but Sophia, but you us. taught me the, the eye makeup. I do Sophia's eye makeup. But, but this is a
0: story. I don't think many people who've just seen your material and, and, and looked at all the amazing things that you've done over your life. They probably don't know the depth of this relationship. <laughs> so I, I want mm-hmm. you to tell it like you told the Pete Kurnoff story because it's quite something.
1: Well, I, I, you know, when I was a little boy, 11, 11, years old, I loved movies. I loved movies. I fell in love with I fell in love with Debbie Reynolds. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. I thought yeah. she was great. Um, I think I read a letter, wrote a letter to MGM, and I got a picture, which 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 was nice. I didn't put it on anything, but it was a picture. Um, but Doctor Fawcett was a picture I had on my wall because he was our he was the God. He was a gift mm-hmm. from God. Um, there was no talk about you part apart; it was a gift from God. Um, and I had a picture of Dr. Fugurte because all my friends also had a picture of God. Of my father was very angry. He said, Really? Yeah. How oh. does fail? It's a fail. Even,
0: even with DF being his Oh, president. no, he
1: didn't want to talk about it. Fact, like I only it. really found out long after. Do you remember anything of No, I had D. no contact with him at all. No. Really? Mm-mm. Um, so then I found this picture in the stage and cinema magazine of the, of the Sophia, beautiful Sophia. It was, it was, she was doing houseboat with Carrie Grant. Sure. I cut it out and I stuck it on the wall next to Favut and Favut fell off the wall. <laughs> the next day <laughs> she saved my life. And so Sophia, my father, my father teased me. You like Sophia Loren? And I said, yes. He said, "Ah, oh, Peter, die duck lipper. you Sophia Loren as a mate. Sure. Sure. My audience makes a noise. When I say that word, they go, oh, hmm. yes. Good. Make a noise. Mm-hmm. And I broke my heart. I said, but how can she see she's not a colored, she's an Italian. And then huh. every time I looked at that face, smiling at me, I thought, oh, no, a broken God's commandment, I've fallen in love with the colored. Anyway, things went on. I collected pictures of Sophia and I did school and I came a trick and my mom gave me a return ticket to the Northern Hemisphere as a present. She said, wow. go, go and see where I come from. And so I went to London and I went to, a friend of hers took me to see Othello, the play well, I Athel- was Ben here, yeah, right? With Lawrence Olivia. I thought it was Lawrence Olivier, you know <laughs> to... I went to Germany, I met her fiance, her, f- fian- her fiance with his wife. And, and then I wanted to go to I wanted to go to Rome because Sophia lives in Rome and I had a picture of Sophia which I'd cut out of the Oggi magazine, waving at the camera from the apartment window from her apartment. Behind her was an ornate lamppost and behind the lamppost was a ruin. So for the next 3 days I walked around Rome with I this picture to trying it. to find the lamppost and the ruin and I found them. In the shadow of the victim and Memorial Monument, there was the window and there was Sophia's flat. So I wrote a letter and I went up there, left the letter for her. She wasn't there, but the woman said she give the letter. Went back, all the way back to South Africa after this. Weeks later, and I get to Pinelands and there's a letter for me from Sophia. On the back she'd written, from Sophia Loren. So I wrote back to her and she wrote to me. and She wrote to me and I wrote to her. I- we became pen friends. And the day I was standing outside the, the crematorium, Chapel where my mother was being buried, and there was no music. Somebody had forgotten to put on the music, and they put on a cassette, and it was in the, it had been warped in the sun. It was oh, oh, no. it was like a circus. It was too terrible, and I just ran out. and I thought I, I don't know what to do. And I wrote a letter to this address of Sophia, and I just said I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And a letter came back, and she just said, "You've got to help your father and your mother, your father and your sister. You can't cry now. You will cry one day, but not now. Now you must be brave. Be brave." I love you, Sophia. That changed my life. Be brave, yes. Just, you know, don't don't help here. Eventually, I met her. Eventually, I had a drink with her in her apartment in Paris. We were like we'd known each other a thousand years. We laughed, and I brought stamps for her little children, her boys, little boys, Chippy and Eduardo. And and we... um, and wherever we've been in the same place together, we've seen each other. I, I, she, I was, she was writing, signing books in, a, in a, a, one of her books in, in an apartment in New York. And, and I got on the phone and she said, come, come, come. I want to see you, but come and watch me. Come and watch me work. Come and see what I do. What are we going to do? She's signing books. I said, you sign books? No, Sophia. She gets on the chair, this wiggly chair, and there are hundreds of people. And, and she, somebody helps her onto the, onto the desk where she's standing and, and, and on the high old shoes and they hand her the book and hold her ankles so she doesn't fall, Sophia Loren. She stands there and she waves at her people so that knowing that they can't all be there to be, have a book sign. Again, I just was, I thought, yeah, that's, that's how you do your job. She came to my show in, in Hollywood with her son, Eduardo, and as I was putting her together, you know, I do, I do the Kugel, my Kugel sketch. is putting the makeup on. So I've got Evita's eyelashes on eventually. And I just heard him say, Hey, m- mama, she looks like you. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then we, many moments oh. of, and letters and talk. And you know, during COVID, I spoke to her every, virtually every, every week, sometimes twice a week. She was so scared. She was, a, she was in her apartment in, in Geneva and her family was in America. They couldn't see each other. Yeah, and all well that. And we sang songs on the on the thingy together. We sang, I said, she was singing. And I did this last year when I was with her in Geneva. We sit there and like two kids with ice creams. And then she suddenly said, oh, doctor, I'm in trouble. Well, goodness, goodness gracious me, me. For every time a certain man is standing next to me, my pulse becomes a red. And so we sang songs together. Me doing the Peter Sellers part and she doing the Sophia Loren part. So the bottom line is very simple. I love her so much because she has helped me so much. And, you know, when we did the documentary, they did the documentary of, of me about five years ago called No, no One's Died Laughing. Uh, Sophia was in it because I said to her on the phone, are oh, we going to do a documentary about me? She said, about you? And she, said, she said, I want to be in it. I said, what? She said, wow. of course, I'm your best friend. Sophia, Lorraine, you want to be in my film? She said, of course. And so she was. And then when the film was done, we went to, that was another story, filming it with her. It was just so wonderful. Um, and we had the film and then is she going to come to the premiere in Cape Town in New Johannesburg? No. She's 80. She's not happy in an aeroplane. Um, I want to take the film to her. And the producer said, you're on. So we did a cassette, we did a, a cassette and I flew to Geneva I just said, I'm coming. To you show you the film? She said, we'll have a premiere. I said, yes. I go to her, knock on the door. She, I mean, she's wearing a Hollywood costume. Oh, she's like, God. she's like this is like, I said, look at you. She said, of course. It's a world premiere. And we sit, and I brought a Cook Sisters <laughs> from South Africa. We have Cook Sisters, and we're watching the film, and, and Charlize Theron was in the movie, and was so moving, and Sophia, the tears, and I mean, and she suddenly took my hand, and she said, thank you for making me part of your life. Oh. So why am I saying this to the world? I'm saying this to anybody who's listening. Do not ever be ashamed of falling in love with talent and beauty, even if they are 10,000 miles away. It's what they do to you and for you. And when you know them and meet them, yeah, they're exactly what you wished for. That's why Donald Trump is not on my wall.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, if if she hadn't said, be brave. She didn't no. have to. Nobody, no, no, but, you know. but yes, I know. What I that know. did for you. At that moment,
1: you. but all that. And, sure. I mean, it's a lesson I've learned, and I have a huge, huge love for, I mean, what I do now at the, at the Monte Cassino Theater, after I've done this 90 minutes on stage with the story to my audience, I say to them, give me a few minutes, and I'll join you in the foyer. We can have a drinky together, and we can do a selfie. I want to also no, give you sure. me to put on your wall. Um, and it's, and then they tell me, and then these wonderful old ladies who are younger than me (laughs) say, "Ah, I also went through that. And I'm my husband and my children and, and then my grandchildren. And so many have said to me in the last few days, what do I say to my grandchildren who are all wanting to leave? Yeah. Because now that I've seen what you've said to me, I want them to come and see it because they'll want to stay. And I said, yes, yes. First of all, it's a choice that everybody can make. But don't run. Don't run away. Run towards. If there's a reason to go, yeah, run towards. Don't run away. There's no reason to run away. Um, and I am angry. I'm so angry about the fact that so many people have lost hope. I have huge optimism about the future of this country. Because, so, uh-huh. I've, because just to tell you, in the last few days I've had interviews for tiny little newspapers all over Johannesburg, yeah. which I love. I love the neutral sure. freebie newspapers. I think they're terribly important. Because they spread. And mostly lots of the they're the only ones that are still around. Yes. <laughs> and these young men, and they were, they were not white men, they were black men, young black men with enormous background, have done enormous amount of homework, have got such wonderful ideas, are writing. And I think to myself, that's all I want to know for mm. me to believe in the future of South Africa. You know, and I have young people. Simple that the politicians have turned themselves into the royal family. They're the royal family and that's why everything has got to be about them. No, politicians work for us. We do not work for them. Yeah, but they you must know, get out he... there and they must do their job. And quite frankly, everybody is hiding behind our great constitution. Yes. Yeah. Now we must just do a little PS from now on. South African politicians are not innocent under the proof guilty. They are guilty until, until proven innocent. innocent. Finish in yeah. cut. It's uh, time. It's time. You know, um,
0: this optimism this um this relentless ability that you have to to keep working and to keep writing and to keep performing and to keep telling these amazing stories and you really are unparalleled in your ability to do that where does it come from because a lot of people are struggling they, a lot of people have given up hope and i suppose there might be one or two of them listening now going ah, but you know i don't i don't have that feeling of optimism where do i get it
1: Whew, I don't know where I get it. I just know when it sort of takes a day off. It sometimes takes a day off. And then? Then I am very careful just to feed the cat with love and um, have have a piece of paper and a pencil nearby so that I can just write down the reasons why I am quite… um uh, not happy. Um, is that
0: where that 49% angry comes from? Oh,
1: sometimes? God, yes. No, it's much more. It's, it, yeah. I, you see, I, I don't want, I don't want them to, to win. Again, my father, in all this chaos and things of not getting on with each other, I suggested to him, he must be a member of the censor board. So at the worst <laughs> time of me being banned by the censors, my father was a censor. I mean, how is wow. that for crazy? Oh if you can't God. beat them, go in there and pee in their beds, you mm-hmm. know? Make a poop on their dinner plates. No. Okay. Um, and my father then said to me about a week after that, he said, come and have lunch with me. He chucked me out of the house. This was during the years of the space. It was in the, in the seventies. And I went back and he said to me, um, are you scared of them? I said, it's the national party government. It's no, the censor board. I said, no, but it's the same thing. He said, it's not the same thing. I'm one of them. And they're idiots. They don't know what they're doing. They've just cut up a Fellini film. I don't know what to do. I want to kill them. Don't let them frighten you. Marker. That came from my it's pa. Make sure, that's strong laughable. Stuff. And I do this now. Make them laughable. But you see, I, there's a there's a very interesting thing that I am prisoner of at the moment. I am very aware of the thin line between, between racism and satire. Sure. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a white person, although I did find out that we had a, a, a lady in our in our background, many, many centuries ago who plied her trade on the road between Cape town and Paul and her name was William. So I'm also a coward. <laughs> so don't talk to me. Because a a yeah. You know, I want to make fun of the politicians as I did with the, the, my, my family, the politicians, the Afrikaners, but I can't do that. Yeah, White criticism of black right? action is not operative. It doesn't work. Um, Although it worked totally, the celebration of Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and Winnie, I was a huge, huge fan of Winnie, you know, give and take all the darkness and the question marks, mm-hmm. and we liked each other. Uh, she, she still sent me a wonderful picture of her in her drag, her causa drag, sure. with a note saying, Mr. Ace, the day you do me on stage, please look like this. Oh, I wow. like that. The ANC has lost its sense of humor. It's there. Yeah. And also, which I want to you know so okay so i am very careful to try and criticize where i can without stepping into the minefield of you racist you can't do characters like that because you're making fun of us as black people i don't want to do that i can make fun of julius malema because he's is a gift you just have to use sure. you know and and, and i will he, he does it himself. but i didn't make fun of gentile blanche either because i have very little respect for certain politicians. I don't want to waste my time on them, <laughs> but it is a very interesting experience to have Evita there because she is a member of the African national Congress in two, in 2012. I realized that she's useless in opposition. She has her own little party. Evita, Evita, you were the EPP, Evita's people's party, the EPP, you know, the EPP. And I use that party when I do voter education, which is very important every, every mm. election time. Um, but she now cooks for reconciliation. She's in the literally yep. house kitchen. She knows that the way, the way to a politician's mind is not through his brain, it's through his stomach. And she just looks at Gwedi Mantashi <laughs> to know that it's true. <laughs> and she, um, gets involved and she has a little Twitter. Uh, she has a little, what's it, a uh, little, a uh, little tweet thing, you know, a little tweet thing at, at Tani Vita, mm-hmm. where she shares things with people. She's got 1,999, 199,000, uh, 199, 000, uh, uh, uh People, what do you followers, call followers, followers. got i sound like? I sound like Zuma trying to say the <laughs> amount hundred million trillion dollars, <laughs> um And Evita can now, Evita can. She can as a member of the ANC, but also as a as a diplomat, ex diplomat, also as a, a Democrat, also as an Africana, also as a woman, also as somebody who's got three grandchildren. They're not black. They're not white. They are Barack Obama beige. Right. So she's right in the middle of the pudding she can say these things
0: okay she she can and i've i've recently seen evita doing her thing and she still skirts really close to that line sometimes where there are people in the audience maybe and i'm not going to be disparaging about them but maybe these people have grown up in an era of cancel culture and mm-hmm. political correctness aware of that too, yes. and, you know all of that stuff mm-hmm. is going on and they go oh, when certain things are said and there may even be people who were old fans of yours who go, Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I used to really like Evita, but I don't, I can't stomach what nope. she says there. They're always going to be those. people. I might right? agree with them. <laughs> sure. But it's a, it's such a tough line to walk. You it said is. it yourself just it now. Is. Do you believe that the audience has changed or that the jokes have
1: changed or that Evita's changed? Everything. Audience has changed. Jokes are very thin on the ground because usually it's the truth. Uh, with a little tail. Um, and Evita has, yes, Evita has said. I mean, first of all, I lost her during COVID. I mean, suddenly mm. it was over. Then I was, I was doing all my stage management things, getting, sorting the wigs out. I found did it this take little... a while, just incidentally, did it take a while to get back into her? Well, this is what I'm telling you. Oh. Um, <laughs> I found this gray wig and I suddenly thought, but what's Evita doing now in this lockdown? She can't go to the hairdresser. She's going to be without a hairdresser for... How many months? (laughs) What happens to a woman's brown hair when she doesn't have it dyed properly? She will not be a happy cat. Mm -mm. And so I put on this wig and it was a Meryl Streep wig. It was a sort of a, um, short uh, Judy Dench look. Right. And I thought, there we are. And when Evita made her first appearance going with the premier of the Western Cape, Mr. Windy, to have a vaccination. Um, she had a new look, and the media went crazy. She was on the front page of even the Citizen. No, not just the Citizen. Even, even the uh, the, the 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 City Press and all the you know who aren't keen to putting white people anywhere. But there she was, and so it was a really a, a, a very nice renaissance. So she's strong now. She's working very hard. To, to sort out the menu for Vladimir Putin when he comes. Yes. Cause... She's already arranged for him to actually take meals in her kitchen because she locks the door. Nobody comes into her and kitchen. And no one will she arrest say, him there. Um, no, she's going to say that he's her husband. Oh. <laughs> and he might joke at you. So we got to go full steam ahead in this. And the next year I've got a piece coming on in Johannesburg just before the election, which I am not taking lightly. The election I'm not taking lightly at all. Okay. And it is Ivita, who is now in front of the disciplinary commission of the African National Congress because she's taking the party into disrepute. Oh, oh, that opens a thousand windows oh. and twelve doors. So I am working at it, and please, members in the Tule House, keep giving me material, yeah, that, especially Philip Bulula, Fikile, yeah. Fikile, 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 I've been praying for you for so long. Just keep doing what you're doing, and the ANC will be something of the past very quickly. So
0: voter education and aids are two things just off the top of my head that you've mentioned now that are massively important to you because during the whole hiv situation that tabombeki created mm. where you know it is not related to aids mm-hmm. and we don't have a policy and we're not going to supply antiretrovirals and it was the most bizarre thing looking back he, now it african potatoes it, and garlic I mean, and still all that. when i Criminal. think back on it this is the level of just Ham handed and, and, and stupid stuff that we, we kind of, we've forgotten that that was an era we lived through, but you took it seriously and you were one of the brave voices who continued to fight that good fight. And, and voter education is another one. And there are a few others that mm. you take very seriously.
1: Well, you, you deploy
0: know- the characters, you deploy yourself. You do a lot of the stuff, not for money.
1: No, 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 that was a very interesting moment. Um, the HIV thing was, first of all, the, the, the 388,000 people, 380, you know, when I read all these letters, uh, Tob and Becky writes 12 page letters, clever mm. man, clever yeah. man. I said, yes, darling, but you did, you were responsible for the confusion that led to the death of 388,000 mm-hmm. people more that died of, 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 of COVID in South Africa. So I'm going to remind people, I'm, you know, Tubbo, I'm watching you. Um, I knew, you know, 2000, 2001, I mean, I've been living with this terror of, of, of HIV AIDS being gay. Oh my God. Have because I done the wrong thing? It was a right? gay thing. And I mean, I mean you,
0: you remember being
1: around at the time when Freddie Mercury, yes, it, and it was that. like, it was devastating. And my friends and the people I knew yeah. and, and things I had done. I mean, heaven's sake, you're not gay to just talk about you. are gay to do it. Hello. Yeah. You know, was that too? Oh, cracky, cracky, And, And then I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm denying my own anger here and I've got to do something. So I thought I have got to start putting it into my, into my work because the democracy was a very nice thing to celebrate, but it wasn't as entertaining as fascism. Mm. (laughs) But suddenly there was HIV and AIDS and Mbeki. and so I thought, no, I must do my research, which I did. And I sort of structured a little sort of some, some, um, sketches and characters and what will Tani Evita do and what will, you know. And then I thought, I'm going to do this. I must do this somewhere. I'm going to do this at some schools. Maybe I can do that at some schools because it's, I'll have some feedback from the kids because it's about sex. And so I phoned a few schools and the Afrikaans once said, near, near, near. And the English one says, oh, yes, very nice. How much do you charge? And I said, no, no, no. Good Lord. It's 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 really true. It's a pleasure. The best thing I ever did in my life. I mean, first of all, how do you ask money to tell somebody that here's something that you might use not to die of? And I did it. I was busy. And I was busy for years and years. And I think a few million children were part of that audience of mine, and I meet them now—the middle-aged men and women—who now say to me, "You know, you were at our school, and you waggled that penis around—not mine, oh no—but a big <laughs> rubber one, a big, a big white one—and yeah. then I said the black one was smaller than the white one. Fun about that, you know? <laughs> and I, you know, I still do it. I still take that story to p- schools because there has no been no cure for AIDS. People mm. think there's a cure. There isn't a cure. There's treatment. And it's probably quite it's, expensive it, it, it's or difficult. It's interesting how it's kind of fallen off the radar, huh? It has, but so I have the, and and voter education is also extremely important because if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to do it. But if you know that you are contributing to something that might make it a better world, Um so Ivito, we did this at, in 1999. I did a six-week trip with with Lynn Marie, my my wonderful producer and great friend, Um and we we did we did. I can't remember 60, 60. We did every day we did two shows from Cape Town to Polokwani. It was Petersburg in those days, through Pretoria, through Johannesburg, through Suweto. With Evita talking about voting. What is voting? And voting is 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 um you're free, you don't have to pay to vote. And it is precious and it is secret and all the things, but also with humor and in townships, in township Mamalodi, and with some women sitting, you could see their faces like, Hey, well, and there's somebody who was, saying, Oh, Ed, it's, a boy, it's a man. <laughs> and they love you. They come and they hug you. I mean, that's wonderful. Sure. Okay. So you do this and you do that. Um. And so I went to schools and I've been doing that. And that's also part of my inspiration. You go to a, a room full of young kids who first of all, give you the time and don't spend time with their little machines. Right. Um, I love it. And it's make it make, and you know, and I say to them, I say, listen, when I started the AIDS thing and I said, listen, I'm, I'm 45 uh, and you're six, you're 14. Let's make a deal. I make you feel 20 and you can make me feel 16. <laughs> and then we're on the same level. You know, we have the same right. energy.
0: When you talk about things like history and I'm afraid not enough people read history books, not enough people mm. are interested in their own personal history. They don't ask their parents questions. Grandparents, mm. the things that you've been through that have been the source of so much pain and, and anguish later on in life that you wish you'd done. And South Africa has a very short memory, huh? I mean, we, yeah. we we've already forgotten mm. about the Zuma years. We've people are already about COVID, talking already. about how Cyril's mm. now the, you know, he's mm. the villain mm. and COVID. People have forgotten yeah. about COVID, but, but now you talk about Tabumbeki and Mandela and you talk about Piavia. Now, now we're digging so far back that for many people, these aren't even living memories. These are things that are, a one page out of the syllabus that they learn because they have mm. to in primary school and mm. later on they can get rid of history. But in some way, the stuff that you have done is like a bit of a time capsule too. And when people rediscover it, as you, you said, these young people are doing on TikTok now, for example, yeah. it's it's the gateway into that
1: world. Well, I hope so. I, that's why I'm very, I'm very keen to just remind people that if you go into my pdu.cu.wz, my website. Uh, enjoy the book. The book's there. There's 488 pages of history, and not just history, but hysteria as well, and laughter, and uh, more questions. And it'll keep going as long as I'm here, not fall over. I'll do the next editions, and they'll also be on the website, because it's like my program with HIV. I don't want to charge you money 500 to read about where we were. Let us remember where we come from so we can celebrate where we are going. And make no mistake, I am ready to celebrate where we are going. I am not getting my bag packed for Perth. I have no conception of that. I'm going to keep rattling the cage of people who don't think that there is a future for South Africa. I mean, you know, if you think back 30 years about the politicians who were destroying us, you can't even remember their names. The ones that are hanging around, you know, looting. Okay, we know where you live, mm-hmm. you know, we'll come and dance naked in the garden and then you'll see
0: <laughs> how embarrassed you moment. are
1: when we don't ask you to be naked as well. So, <laughs> you know, keep smiling. It's worth it.
0: Peter, uh, you know, those, uh, those words of Sophia Lorenz and that letter after your mom died just are going to be with me forever. Be brave. We've all got to be a little bit braver. Good. You are a tremendous inspiration. You are a national treasure and I hope you will keep doing what you're doing for another hundred years. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: corecentral.com